This topic is one that, uh, let, me, let me sort of give you a preface before. I always like to say this before I preach about relationships or families or anything, marriage or raising kids or anything like that, that I don't have all of the answers. I'm just going to pour out everything in my cup to you and see what God would do through that. All right? So don't, don't think, man, this is going to be the definitive way our family is going to find our way. And really, Reply All is not a series about, honestly, what I think about any topic. You ask these questions, and so we go to God's Word and say, if you're asking it, everybody's probably wondering. So let's go to God's Word and see what He has to say about it. And it's funny uh, that family comes up all of the time. Have you, you, anybody but me ever walked into a family reunion and thought, There's, I have to be adopted? Anybody, anybody ever look around and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is true. I don't even look like you people. I don't, even, I don't know how I got in this family. If your family's in church today, just look straight ahead because some of you are feeling that way. And, or, 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 or you know Thanksgiving, the holidays are coming up. You know Christmas and Thanksgiving on the way up. And you know you're going to have to see that weird person in your family. And you're already mentally preparing in September how to have a meal with them in November. Anybody else? Come on, somebody. Like, I don't know how we're going to get through this, this again. And if you can't think of that person in your family, you are that person in your family. They're all thinking about you right now. And, and, and it, I know that it's hard. I know family relationships are hard. And, and, I know that, and I know that we come from a lot of different places. But I think we all want the same thing. Let's take a quick poll. How many of you want your families to be blessed? Come on, raise your hands. That's what we want. And that's what I want for you is a blessed family. I want everything that you, matter of fact, I want you to have a blessed life. I preached a message series a few years ago called The Blessed Life. I want everything in your life to be blessed. And I don't just mean financially. I think that's a part of it. I think it's God's will for you. But I want, I want your relationships to be blessed. I want your relationship with your spouse to be blessed. I want your relationship with your kids. I want your teenagers to be blessed. Come on, somebody. I want your toddlers who appear to be possessed by Beelzebub to be blessed and maybe delivered. Come on, everybody. Like, I want your families to be blessed. And I know that there's so many different families in this church. One of the things I love about this church is not everybody's like me. Let me just pause here and tell you, if your church, everybody looks like you, votes like you, thinks like you, talks like you, that's, you're going to be sorely disappointed when you get to heaven. Because everybody in heaven's not like you, and they don't all have your family unit. And, and, and there's so many different kinds of family units. In this church, probably in this service today, are, are, are families that have multiple children, you know, three or four or five kids. I don't know why you would have that many kids, except you just like your spouse. That's the only thing I can come up with. But Brandy and I have decided to have two. Because with two children, you can play man-to-man defense. Anything after two kids, you got to play zone defense. Come on, somebody. So if you have three, you might as well have six. You understand what I'm telling you? That's just, at least that's the way my mind thinks. And we have a boy and a girl, so they only come in two flavors. I got them both. So we don't thank God for that, by the way, or we would keep having kids until we got both flavors. Anyway, I know there are people here who are blending your families, his kids, her kids, our kids together. It may be a co-parenting situation where there's, there's an ex and you're trying to co-parent, but you're remarried and you're blending together this family and... And they live there sometimes and here sometimes. And, 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 and I can't imagine, my heart goes out to you struggling and juggling through 
what that is when relationships fail and, and there's kids in the middle. And, and, and you're trying your best to blend it together. And you're trying to, to, to do this co-parenting thing right. And you promised yourself and you promised your children. We're going we're gonna to do this for the kids. We're going you know, gonna, gonna to do our best. Or maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe like Brandy and I, the first 10 years, almost 11 years of our marriage, we struggled with infertility. And didn't think we could have children. And, and maybe, maybe that's the struggle you're walking through today. And my heart is with you today. I understand that pain and struggle of miscarriage and losing and trying and praying and embarrassment and not, not wanting to talk about it. Or maybe you just don't want to have kids. Come on, somebody. Maybe you just like sleep. Where you at on that? Come on. just I just like to sleep, but I ain't trying to have no kids. you know. And you're probably the smartest people in the room, by the way. Or, or maybe you're an adoptive parent. Maybe you've, I think one of the most godly things is, is fostering or adopting a child and reaching out to child. I always tell couples that way. Brandy and I, in our 10th year of marriage, when we had decided, honestly, that we couldn't have children, we had already begun the process of adopting a child from Nepal. We sort of just began the conversations. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, right, like Within the same month, we had made the call. Uh, Brandy is pregnant with our first child. Just a, a miracle, not a not a not an immaculate conception. Come on, but just a miracle that God that God gave us a baby. We don't know why. Just God just gave us a baby. It was just a miracle from God. And 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 so uh, adoption is close to my heart. And and may, or maybe you're fostering. Maybe you're giving kids a, a stable environment for a season of their life that they need. Whatever you are in all of that. Every person I just mentioned to you has the same prayer to God. I just want this to be blessed. I just want this to be less dysfunctional and more functional. Are you with me on that? I just, I, I just want this thing to work better. It doesn't have to look like yours. It doesn't have to be traditional, whatever that means. It, it doesn't have to be like everybody else's. I just want it to be blessed. But the problem I find, especially in churches is that we always think that God is blessing the other person that you're sitting beside and not you. you it's funny to me. We always think God's blessing them and He's not, like, they're blessed. Oh, man. Their family's blessed, but I'm not blessed. They've got and we don't. Anybody else struggle with that? Don't raise your hands because I know you do. I've pastored long enough to know it's, you always believe God would answer their prayers and not yours. And it's funny to me because I, I always see couples who compare themselves. Well, their marriage is blessed. My marriage has been struggling since day one. Boy, if I had a marriage, if I was married to a guy like him, if I was married to a woman like her, they never fight. They never yell. She doesn't even know how to roll her eyes. Come on, somebody. They never fight. She never has a headache three nights a week every single week. Are you with me? They never struggle like we struggle. They're blessed and I'm not blessed. Or their kids are blessed. My kids are dumb. They're, they're, their kids are honor roll students. My kids beat up their honor roll students. My, my, uh, they, they, their kids never spill juice on the carpet. My carpets look like they have polka dots on them from all the... Juice. Everything in their life is right. Their, their kids never write on the wall. Their four-year-old son writes his full name on the wall the first month they buy the house in every room they have. Whatever, that's just my story. And, 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 you, just, and you compare to everybody else. 
Well, they, if, man, they're blessed, but I'm not. Man, they got it together. Their finances are blessed. I saw what they drove in here. I saw the SUV they drove in here. Their kids don't even ground animal crackers into the cushions of their SUV. You can eat off of their leather. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They have it, and I don't. I think the enemy's greatest tool in the life of a believer is the sin of comparison. They got it. They're blessed. Their finances, their marriage, their family. The truth is, look into my eyes, everybody's struggling. Let me let you off the hook today. I'm not giving you license to sin or license to, you know, to be negative, but I, I also I gotta take some shame off of you. Look into my eyes. There's room for you on our struggle bus. There's room for your family too. Everybody struggles. Every family has this same desire in their heart. Every family wants God to bless them. You have no idea what goes on when the door is closed. The lights are off. The blinds are down. Are you still awake? Say amen. Every family in this room today needs the blessing of God. Blended, single, co-parenting. Two or three kids trying to have kids, trying to get married, single adult, don't know what to do. Everybody needs the blessing of God. So when I, when I, when I started praying about this message and, and, and answering the question you asked, you, you asked that we bring more messages about families. I said, God, where do we go? Where in God's Word do we go to find out how to get our families blessed? It's what every family needs. It doesn't matter where you come from or what your family makeup is. Everybody needs the blessing of God. And if you're new to the Bible, Matthew, the fifth chapter, Jesus preaches a very famous sermon. He's actually in the Sermon on the Mount. And he preaches what, what in, in Christianity we'll, re, we'll refer to as the Beatitudes. I don't know really why we call them that. Because I think it's better to call them the blessed attitudes. Because there are eight statements that Jesus would make there. And he would say, blessed are. And then he would give you an attitude or an action or a posture. And then he would give you the fulfillment or a prophecy or, or a promise that God would give. If in fact this was true in your life. Like this. Blessed are the pure in heart. Then he would give you a promise. Blessed are the peacemakers. But, for they will not sleep on the couch. Where are you at on that? Come on. It's not in the Bible actually. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the first one. Blessed are the merciful, for they, for they'll, they, they, they get mercy in their lives. Blessed are. And so God began to talk to me as I prepared this message for you about the blessing that God wants to give your family. And I don't have time to preach all eight of them to you. I do think all eight of them apply to your family. But I ask the Lord, give me one thing where, where we can really center our time around today to get the blessing of God on our family. That, that regardless of our, of our family dynamics, regardless of how we're trying to navigate this thing called family, and there is no such thing as a normal, traditional one. There is no such thing as every one of them running functionally. I just want God to bless what I've got so that it, so that it works better. Even if I feel like, well, at least it's not like them. I want it to work better. I want, I want the blessing of God on it. And, and, and I centered around Matthew 5. In verse 6, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. If not, you can look on the screen with me. Matthew 5 and 6. In that Beatitudes, in that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. Blessed are those who, underline this in your Bible. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. So, so in, it's funny to me about Christians sometimes who misinterpret their role in the story of God in their lives. Let me explain it to you. You don't have to do anything 
to get God to love you, that Jesus died for you, and that He wants to save you. Salvation is the free gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You have, to, you have to accept it, receive it, believe it, confess it with your mouth, repent of your sins, and God freely gives you the gift of salvation. Are you still there? Say amen. But after that, look in my eyes, nothing else about your faith is free. And the biggest misconception I find in Christians is because the first part's free, everything else must be free. Well, grace and salvation is free, so joy must be free. Oh, I'm preaching good. But I'm, I, I'm telling you, I'm coming for you today. I feel good in this service. Salvation is free, so peace in my home must be free. Grace is free, so my purpose must be free. The only thing that you began with God, you get the free gift of God, that's your salvation, that's Jesus died for you while you were a serious sinner. Nothing you can do about it, nothing you can do to earn it. But once you accept that, you've been born again, your spirit's now in commune with God, the God that created you. Now you have a part to play in this process called sanctification. you got a faith walk to walk out every day of your life. Can I get a better amen than that? That's why the Bible would say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, I thought I couldn't work for it. No, no, no. No, God has saved you first. Then you got to work for it. Now there's a role. To, now i got to work for peace and work for joy and work for my purpose. And you got to work for the feeling. There's a role that you play. There's a part that you have in this relationship with God. The first part, God makes all of the moves. He comes to you, and, and, and it's the free gift. I can't, I can't stress it enough. I'm not, I'm not preaching works to you. I'm not telling you that you got to do anything to earn your salvation, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. But after that happens, you're in a relationship with God, and this means we have roles to play. And your role, my role, is hunger and thirst for righteousness, and then God doesn't withhold from you any good thing, the Bible said. But his, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. Then I'll fill your family with every good thing. How many of you want that in your families? Come on, hands up. I want that in my family. I want that in my marriage. I want that in my, in, in, in my kids. God does His part when you do yours. Imagine your family filled. Filled with the blessing of God. Imagine the culture of your home. Every home has a culture. You, you, you know that every home has a smell. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You remember the smell of your grandparents' home? Come on, kind of mothballs and soup. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> mothballs and I'm from the south. Ham, hock, come on. I can smell it now. The smell of your home, the culture of your home. The tone of your home. The tenor of your home. What if God filled your home with the fruit of the Spirit? What if your home was Spirit-filled to the point that the fruit that came out of your family was the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5 says it like this, The fruit of the Spirit is love. What if your home was filled with love and not hatred and vitriol? 
What if, what, what if you weren't always just talking about what's wrong? What if there was love, genuine, heartfelt, selfless, unconditional love in your family? What if your home was filled with joy? Come on, you know I'm on a mission for joy. I feel like it's God's word for you right now and God's word for us right now. What if there was joy and not depression? Joy and not sadness? Joy and not, and not anxiety? What if there was peace and not yelling and cussing and fussing all the time? What if the culture, the tenor, the smell, that, that intangible of your home was forbearance or temperance? What, what if you were actually didn't lose your cool with your kids? What, amen to that. What if, what if you didn't lose your cool with your spouse? What if your fuse wasn't that short? I know you say it's been that short all your life. What if you can grow a fuse in your 40s? What, what if there was temperaments? and What if there was kindness? I told you this last week. It's, it's a lost art just being kind to one another. Come on. You're kinder to the cashier at HEB than you are to your spouse. What if there's kindness in your family? What if there's goodness? I, I'm from the South. I think the Greek uh, interpretation of goodness is home-baked uh, bread. Come on, somebody. What if there's goodness in your house? You know what I'm trying to say? Some goodness when you walk inside and smell goodness. Anybody know what I'm saying? What if there was, that, that may not be it, but I think it's that. What if there's goodness in your house? What if there's faithfulness? What if the culture of your family is faithful? Now listen, I don't want you to take this offensively. I don't want you to think I'm, I'm pointing a finger at you because everybody's, everybody's from somewhere. Everybody's got, a, everybody's got brokenness. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody, no matter of fact, this church doesn't work for perfect people. It just doesn't fit. But I think we live in a culture where it's too easy to walk away. And you may be able to pay $495 and walk away from your covenant of marriage. But that doesn't mean that you don't leave a wake of brokenness. And you ask anybody who's walked through the pain of divorce and hurt and separation. It hurts. It's broken. What if, what if there was a stickiness to you? We're going to work on this. God can heal us. God can fix what's wrong in us. God can put back together. God can fix me. Not you. God can fix me. God can give me what I need to be the husband that you need. God can give me what I need to be the father that our kids need. Are you still there? Say amen. What if gentleness reigned in your house? What if you didn't, well, you didn't always talk with a sharp tone? What if there was gentleness? What if you could control your emotions and control your temper in your house? What if that was the tenor of your home? And God says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I'll fill them up with all of this stuff. This is what I want the culture of your family to be. But it's not, Pastor. It's broken. And the culture of my family's anger and depression and fighting and stress. And the culture of our family's negativity and, 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 and dishonesty. And, and, and the culture of our family. And it's, just, it's just hurt all around. And there's, there's brokenness in all of the wake of our family. So, so, what, so, what do you, so what's the role that you play? It starts with a question. Listen, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It starts with us. It starts with you and I. If we want the blessing of God on our home to fill us with all of this, you got to ask yourself, what in my home do we hunger for? In your home, what do you hunger for? What do you hunger for? In your home, what's the appetite of your home? 
And I don't want you to give the, the, the Sunday school answer. Well, you know, we, uh, you know our, 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 man, we, we hunger for God and to please God. And that's what, that's what I expected you to say. But I wish I could ask your kids because kids don't lie. Come on, I got a little seven-year-old little girl. <laughs> I remember it. Hopefully they're not in this service. But somebody came to me, a sweet, wonderful member of our church that I didn't know, and asked for a meeting with me. And I, my little girl was standing beside me, and I did what uh, Christians and especially preachers do sometimes. I said, you know, I'd love to, but I got this uh, thing when the, uh, you know, I always do. On Tuesday I have this, Ooh, boy, I'd love to sit down and talk about that, but... I just have this thing. And my little seven-year-old girl <laughs> tugged me. She said, no, Daddy, we don't do that on Tuesdays. You're free. I said, little girl, listen to me. You don't know what I got going, okay? I got, I got stuff you don't even know about. You don't know my schedule, little girl. But kids, tell the truth. If we ask your kids, what is the purpose of our family? What would they say? What does our family pursue the most? What does our schedule reflect? What does our finances reflect? What is my resources? What is our energy? What does our energy go to? What are, what are we hungry for in this house? And, and I know it may be hard to think about the, you know, the, all of your life. Just think about the last seven days. Open your calendar and look at the pursuit of your home. What, where did we run around all, all of our time? Where did we give all of our energy to? Where did we, some of us, it's honestly, it's just relaxation on the weekend. You're living for Friday. You're just, if, if you were honest, you would say, man, the hunger of my home is to just get through Monday through Friday. I don't like my job. It's not fulfilling. We're running crazy. We're living for the weekend. And, and, I, and I get it. And there's nothing wrong with wanting a break and the rest. And I, we just want to chill. We just want to have fun. I'm just, the, 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 honestly, the, the point, the hunger, the, the, the purpose, where we're pointing to as a family is just... We're just trying to get through the weekend. Or maybe it's your image. We're just, you know, the hunger of our home is that everybody thinks we got it all together. Look straight ahead because I'm preaching to some of us. I, I, I just want everybody to think. I, we just, we, we perfectly curate our lives so that everybody believes we have it all together. So you can continue to perpetuate the narrative that you don't struggle like everybody else does. And so image is the pursuit of our home. Image is the hunger of our home. We want everybody, when we get to church, first thing we say, hey, hey, welcome to church, how's it going? I'm blessed and highly favored, praise the Lord, brother. Come on, everybody. You got a big Bible. I'm talking about a big family Bible. You know what I'm talking about? You breathe. Come in, I'm sorry, I've lost all my... Cough drops. You got a big family Bible coming in. Like you just, you come in this, uh, I'm, we're just Christian, my God. This is, somebody asks you, how's it going in your life? I'm too blessed to be stressed. Come on, somebody. Christians rhyme all of their stuff. I don't know why they do that. <laughs> blessed and highly favored. Come on. I'm on top and not under. You, you know the way it happens. An image is our struggle. An image is the pursuit of our house. An image is what we hunger for. I just want you to think I got it all together. I don't, but I want you to think I do. When the blinds close at night, things are different than what you know. But I'm hungering for your approval and your image. Or, or, or maybe it's just getting through. Honestly, I think on, on a whim, that's probably what most people struggle with. is just managing whatever comes today. And I find this to be so true in today's culture. That there's so much input. Are you following me? There's so much input into our minds and our lives and media and our eyes and our hearts. There's so much that we end up, we don't pursue one thing, we pursue a hundred things. 
that, that nothing gets all of me, everything gets 10% of me. That, that nothing gets my foot. Right now, it's finances. I just, finances, 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 finances. Six weeks from now, it's education, 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 education. A season of your life that you're in. It's, it's kids, it's kids, it's kids, it's kids, it's kids, it's kids, it's kids. It's job. i got to work on this promotion. Job, 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 job. And it's whatever comes my way right now gets a little piece of me. And nothing gets all of me. And the hunger of my home is just trying to maintain this flow of information and input that's coming at me so rapidly. And I don't know what purpose we have as a family. I don't know what God's plan for our life is. I don't know how to get blessing in our home. We're fighting and cussing and we don't sleep in the same bed. And I don't know where. I'm just trying to make it through to the weekend. There's a hunger problem. And if you're like most people, listen, you're not bad for that. You're like me. And you're like other people you're in church with today that aren't hungering for righteousness. Honestly, I'm hungering for other stuff. I'm hungering for a good 401k and kids that do well in school and to pay this mortgage off and to upgrade my car a little bit and just to get through the week. I'm just, the pursuit of our home isn't really righteousness. And if you're not, if you're not careful, listen close. You'll build an appetite for things that never were designed to satisfy you. Not only will you consume the things, you'll actually build an appetite for them. And it's a vicious cycle that I see for decades and decades and decades and sometimes generations of pursuing things that God never designed to satisfy you. He gave them to you to bless you. He gave them to you to use for His glory. He gave you that job. He gave you nice stuff and nice cars. Nothing wrong with all of that. But it wasn't ever meant to satisfy you. It wasn't ever meant to fill that thing up in your heart that you, that, that you raised your hand earlier and said, we're struggling and we need the blessing of God on our family. And the, and the only thing I know to help you today when I bring this message to you, the only thing I know to help you today because I think it applies to every family, no matter what dynamic you have, no matter where all of that is in your life, single, divorce, blended, co-parent, whatever it is you've got going, you got to change your appetite. we got to change your appetite. You know, when you go on a diet, I've heard other people talk about going on diets. And uh, when when you go on a diet, you know what it's like when you stop, eating a certain kind of food, and then you reintroduce it, and you think, what in the world? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So not long ago, several months ago, I went to the doctor for the very same reason that most men I know go to the doctor. My wife made the appointment, and so I walk into the doctor, and she asked me, she is younger than me, which always makes you feel really good about your life choices, and she said, uh, what, what's wrong? And of course, I said, nothing. Absolutely nothing's wrong. I'm the picture of health. Look at me. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good over here. I'm probably going to teach you some stuff about the human body today. You know what I'm saying? Like, I probably got a little th- something you didn't even know. So, and, and, and she said, she kind of chuckled like you did. That hurt my feelings a little bit. And, and she said, well, well, let's just check you all out. And she, and she hooked me up to that uh, Terrible thing, the blood pressure machine they put on your arm, you know what I'm saying? And I'm all cool and collected, and bells start going off and whistles and whatnot. And people, people are running in, and I'm telling you the true story. My blood pressure was above stroke level. And it, was, and it wasn't good. 
And I said, well, obviously, you know, something's wrong. My wife probably did something or she set you up for this or whatever. Long story short, she asked me what I did for a living. I told her about first service. I didn't tell you about y'all because y'all are the best. But I told her about some of the people that come to the other service. And, 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 so, and so we started talking about my blood pressure. And one of the things that she mentioned was, you're going to have to change your diet, which always, if you're a little husky, come on, somebody. If you go in with a broken arm, their solution is you need to lose a little weight. You know what I'm saying like that? Like, it doesn't matter what you go in with. Doc, I broke my leg. Yeah, but, boy, you could exercise better on that leg if you, you know, if you, you know what I'm saying. So, so it was diet. And one of the things about my diet, you didn't know this if you're over 40, man, you know this. The, uh, you, if you got high blood pressure, the problem you got to fix is your sodium, sodium, sodium intake. And, and she said, you got you know, you to cut sodium out of your diet. And I said, well, that's no problem. What, what, what foods have a lot of sodium? She said, everything. I said, oh, that's, that'll really work out for me, you know, because I don't like food. So that, that, this is going to be super easy. So I went, true story. So I went on a diet for about a month uh, where I just ate air and ice for about a month. And, and, uh, and I lost, I think I lost a pound. I don't know what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot. It was not what I, what I thought it should be. And, and then I remember uh, I was doing really good, but, but Pastor Aubrey took me out to lunch and I cheated on my diet. Uh, it was his fault. I was, I was doing fine, but I wanted him not to feel so bad about how bad he was eating. And so we, I remember thinking, man, this has a lot of salt in it. You know what I mean? Because when you cut it out and you reintroduce it, it's amazing how your appetites change. You ever cut out sugar and then, and then you reintroduce it like, like you cut out I was going to say Dr. Peppers, but who would do that? You cut out Coke or something, you know what I'm saying? And, and then you have a Coke six weeks later, and you're like, man, I didn't know it was this sugary. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That? Or, or you have a slice of cake, and you're like, something's wrong. I need to eat another slice just to make sure, like, something's not wrong with the cake. You know what I'm saying? Like, i got to protect other people from a poisonous cake. What happens? Listen close. Your appetite has changed. What would happen in your family if you decided we got to have an appetite change here? That we're going to pursue God and Him alone. That I want to thirst for Him and His presence and His blessing. And I don't. I, I want to be. I want to walk in the Spirit. I, I don't want to question whether or not I'm going. I want my appetite for the world to decrease. What happens then is that you lose your appetite for the junk food of the world. So when you reintroduce it, it tastes worse than it did before you decided to pursue God. Are you? with me so you say we got to clean up media in this family I'm gonna go ahead and pastor you for about 30 seconds and then you and you cut out all of that stuff and then you you turn on a show with all the cussing and sex scenes and it it, and it you notice it more afterwards what happened the show's the same show you used to laugh at now it concerns you the appetite of your soul changes are you still with me, everybody? Your appetite for negativity changes. You used to be able to just talk about what's wrong with everybody and everything's down and everything's negative. But when you fast from negativity, which I think you ought to, when you change your diet from everything out of my mouth is what's wrong to everything out of my mouth is how good God is and how God's blessed me and how good things are going in my life. When it comes back into your life, it doesn't taste the same way. Your appetite has changed. Are you there? 
Your appetite has changed. It doesn't, my craving, it's amazing this happens in your spiritual life like it does your natural body. That as you decrease your consumption, your cravings change. And the more you eat the right things and consume the right things, you'll start craving them. The more, oh God, I feel like preaching. The more, the more you pursue the presence of God, it's amazing. You'll start craving the presence of God more. The more you pray, I just, I'm just, you're going to have to take me at my word for this. The more you practice prayer in your life, you'll crave times alone with God. If you've walked away from prayer or walked away from church or walked away from worship or walked away from serving or walked away from giving, whatever it is, I'm asking you when, you, when you decide to hunger in your family, what's the tone of this family? What do we pursue? Are we just in this for money? Are we just doing this for college? Are we just doing this for scholarships? Or is the to- are we going to decide God gets the very best of us? Our hunger is for Him and His presence and Him alone. And the appetite for the world decreases and your cravings for more of God increases. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. That's the blessing of God. Well, how do I get there? What what do I do? I'm glad you asked. I know it doesn't work. I know what, anybody like me, you learn by failure. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you can tell everybody else how to do it because you broke your finger doing it the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? Or you burnt something down or whatever. You're like, I don't know how this works, but I don't know what not to do. I know what not to do in your family. I know that legalistic Christianity doesn't work. I know you can't walk in and just, just decide, we're going to clean the whole pantry out today. No more Twinkies for nobody. Honestly, that's fine. Don't take away the zingers. Come on, somebody. Where you at on that? Twinkies can go. Zingers got to stay. Zingers are where it's at. You got you to slowly get me off of zingers. You know what I'm saying? My body needs it right now. I'm, 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 I always tell people I'm carb loading. I've been carb loading 40 years, everybody. I don't know what I'm planning for, but it's going to be big. You can't go in your home and say, cable's out of here, throw everything away. I was raised in a home like that. I remember one time, I'm, I'm telling all my secrets today because I'm a little wild in second service, but I remember one time we had a CD burning. Y'all know what I'm telling you. You know what kind of church I came from? We had a CD burning. We took all of our worldly music and burned it. The moment you throw Tim McGraw in the fire, you instantly regret your decision. You know what I'm saying? At least I did. You start questioning. I don't even know if I want to live for God. I don't know if Jesus is really coming back that quick. I got some time to listen to country music. That's the kind of church I grew up in. Just burn it all. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just burn it all. Listen, nothing wrong with that. That's fine with all that. I'm just telling you, rules without relationship always lead to rebellion. You can just go in and have all the rules in your family. In this family, we're a no-sugar family. We're a no-gluten family. It's a terrible day to be a gluten salesman. We're a no-gluten sales. We're, we're a no-sugar. We're no-salt in. And you cut it all the way out, and you'll get a rebellion on your hands. You go into your home today and say, that's it. We're just done with it. I'm just, we got rules here. You know why? Because you have no relationship that backs up those rules. And now you get rebellion in your marriage and rebellion out of your kids. What if you walked in and say, in light of our relationship, let's work on our relationship and God to deal with all the rules let's get our relationship with God right first 
Can I get a better amen? I also know what the other side. Listen, there's a ditch on both sides of this road. There's legalistic Christianity that doesn't work. And there's lukewarm Christianity that doesn't work. There's a ditch on both sides of that road. Lukewarm Christianity says, we'll go to church if we feel like it. We'll serve this week if it's easy. We'll tithe if we got any left over. We'll we'll just do what we can. You know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't, God knows my heart. It doesn't really matter. I don't know. All that stuff's kind of, and I'm in, but I'm out. I'm in, but I'm out. Legalism doesn't work. I'm not telling you that that's how you have to have the culture of your family. But lukewarmness doesn't work either. Jesus said in Revelation, I would rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. In other words, it makes, me, it makes God physically ill for you to be on both sides of the fence, for you to lead your family, mom and dad. It, I'm telling you, I think that, that, that what I just told you, this, this is enough for the price of admission today. I think this would solve so much in our families. If we just decided, I'm not going to be legalistic about it. But we're not going to be lukewarm either. I've tried both, by the way. That's how I know they don't work. I've, I, I've done both. So, so what does work? I'll give you the crux in five, ten more minutes, and then, I'll, and then we'll pray and we'll go. I can tell you what does work. Let me give you some practical application. about. I'm going I'm to calm down and I won't spit. Let me tell you what does work. I feel like God gave me this to give to you today. That if you want the blessing of God in your family, however your family's made up, and I think you do, that if you're struggling with how, 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 do, we, how do we navigate a new marriage, how, how, how do we navigate what's going on in our family dynamics and what's hurting and what's broken right now, here's what I think you're going to have. Here, here's the middle of the road, halfway between legalistic Christianity and lukewarm Christianity. Write this down in your notes. We've decided we are not just a Christian family. We've decided we are a Christ-centered family. Now, Pastor, that sounds like the same thing. No, no, no. I've got to be honest with you. I met a ton of cultural Christians. Well, we don't worship the devil. Guess we must be Christian. I don't know. You know? <laughs> we go to church a couple times a year. We do what we can. We're good people. You know, I guess we're Christians. Yeah. I got saved when I was eight years old, man. Yeah, I joined the church and gave my heart to Jesus when I was six. Got baptized. Yeah, man, we're Christians. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't kill nobody. I don't think. You know, we're Christians, man. I don't cheat on my taxes or nothing. Man, we're, yeah, we're Christian family. I meet a ton of cultural Christians. Listen, but cultural Christianity isn't fixing your family. Christian in name only isn't getting the blessing of God on your family. Christian by association. Well, my daddy was a Christian and my grandparents took us to church. So yeah, we're Christian families. That isn't going to save you in a world that's getting worse and worse. In a culture that's vying for your children and reaching for your teenagers. And I I don't mean to be doomsday. I'm just telling you, the world's getting worse, everybody. And the world's not encouraging your family for the blessing of God. It's dividing families against family. It's separating couples and marriages. And kids are turning against their parents and parents against their children. That's the world we're in today. How do we stay together? It's not cultural Christianity. It's deciding we are a Christ-centered family. In our family, I'm not telling you we get it all the way right. Again, I'm just pouring out what I've learned about, about the blessing of God on your family. In our family, we've decided we only have one life. Look at me. Let me teach this to you. 
you're not a cat. You don't have nine lives. People, I hear people often say, well, that's my spiritual life, you know, my church life, my spiritual life. And then, and then it's my family life, you know, boy, family life has a lot of things. You know. And then my work life, you know, I got, I got work stuff I got to get done. I got my work life. And, I got, and, and, then, we, and you know, then we have our social life, you know, and I got, I, you know, guys got to have friends and I you know, got to hang out in my social life. And, 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 then, and then we have family life and, you know, that's, I got to have a family life. Listen, unless you're a cat, you don't have four or five of these. You got one. You got one life. And Brandy and I just decided we're going to put something at the center of our life. And we're not going to build, listen close, we're not going to build these little canisters and silos where we try to keep it all together. It'll drive you crazy. I think it's what's destroying families in America today. Trying to keep the the social life full and trying to keep the school life together and trying to keep our sports life all together and trying to keep my social life all together and trying to keep my church life all together. No, no, no. I got one life to live and I've decided I'm going to put Jesus at the center of my life and I'm going to build my whole life around that one thing. Everything, nothing wrong with any of it. My social schedule, it it goes around Jesus. My 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 sports schedule, it goes around my commitments to God. My my family schedule, it goes around my commitment to God. We've just decided we got one life and what do we? going to put in the center of it what are we really going to hunger for if this thing is success and this thing is money and this thing is power you can just you can build your whole life around working late and going in early and overtime and trying to climb the corporate ladder and lose your family in the meantime you can put whatever you want to here scholastic or sports or it doesn't matter what pursuit you put there anything other than God and you don't get the blessing of God on your life You can be culturally Christian, but we've just decided, and I think it's the right decision for you. We're going to put God in the center. We are a Christ-centered family. Christ is at the center of my home. He's at the center of my marriage. He's at the center with my kids. He's at the center of my schedule. He's at the center of my finances. We are a Christ-centered home. We build our whole home. The hunger of our home is God and His kingdom and His purpose. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're the ones that find real fulfillment in their families. I love how David approached this. I'm almost done. Henry's even going to play the sad music. David said it like this in Psalms. He said, you God, I love, I love this personal. He said, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. You know what my desire for my two babies are? Seven-year-old, five-year-old. It's four today. It turns five tomorrow. I want, them to, I, w- I want this to be their sentence. The other day, Henry was walking around the living room. My little boy He's four years old. And he's a boy. I don't know if it's normal or not, but he doesn't wear a lot of clothes. Anyways. He's, he's singing worship music to the top of his lungs. He only knows about every other word, but man, he loves it. And Brandy just aggressive. It was just, it was just, she stopped him. She said, Buddy, how many gods are there? He said, One God. Just aggressive. I'm talking about, he's kind of aggressive about everything. She said, What can he do? He said, Anything. She said, what's his name? He said, Jesus is his name. And he just went on about his life. He's four years old. I'm not telling you it's perfect. I'm, tr- tr- please don't hold me 
Come on, y'all going to be here when he's 18. Come on, somebody, stick with me. But listen, listen to me. I want, I want this to be his prayer. That he's not just my mom and dad's God. He's mine. That's what I want for your family. He's not just God on Sunday. He's our God. He's not just the hunger of our home. Is not, man, we do work hard. Man, we do go to school and, and, and we give our best. And man, we got to prepare for the future and all that. But the, the real hunger of our home is this. That earnestly I seek you and I thirst for you. My whole being, I love how David says that. My whole being longs for you. And he said, when I look around the world, listen, here, here's the part that's about you. It's a dry and parched land where we live, everybody. I don't mean here. I mean the world. That your family is being raised in. It's dry and parched. And there's no water out there. I've tried. I've looked. Some of you have. There's no water out there. I, I, I kind of edited this verse. This is, not, this is just my translation. If I was your family, I'd make this my prayer. That you, God, are our God. You're our God. You're the Rose family God. You're not just something we put on the shelf for Sunday mornings. You're our God. And earnestly we seek you together. And we thirst for you. And our whole family longs for you. I just want your families to be blessed. I want to know, what, what, what do you hunger for? You say, well, how do I do it? How do I create it? Let me give you three ways and we'll pray. Three application things. Write these down. Write these down. Write these down. Number one, I think you need to have daily conversations that involve the presence of God. What if in your home today, instead of talking about schedules, and you got to plan that, menus and, and, and where we're going where, and what, what if every once in a while in, in, in your home you talked about God daily, just openly? When's the last time you went to your spouse and said, hey, I was praying this morning, here's what God said to me. When's the last time you opened up your YouVersion app on your phone and, and your daily reading plan and you said, hey guys, God was talking to me this morning through my reading plan. In my quiet time with God, in my devotion with God, God said this to me. And I thought, when's the last time you just, you, you told your kids, instead of what's wrong with this house and I wish it was bigger and I wish it had a bigger bedroom and I wish the garage was different. What if you walked into your house today and said, kids, look around. God gave us all of this. Aren't we blessed Aren't we blessed with what God's given us? What if He's a part of your daily conversations in your family? I'm trying to teach you how to hunger for righteousness. How to change your appetite. Have daily conversations that are centered around God. Number two, I know this seems self-serving, but I think you need to make church non-negotiable. And You never preach to people about church who are in church because you're here. But let me just encourage you to make it non-negotiable. I think your marriage needs it. I think your kids need it. We've never woken up one time in the Rose household and said, Are we going to go today? We give God the first part of our week. God gets the first of everything I've got. He gets the first of my time, the first of my week, the first of my finances. God, our, 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 we center our whole lives around this. We plan our schedules Sunday to Sunday. You say, well, that's easy. You're a pastor. No, no, no. I did this growing up. My, my parents aren't preachers. I don't come from any, any line of preachers. I never, we just, church was never a question. It was non-negotiable. So did Brandy. 
We, 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 we weren't raised in perfect homes. We were just raised in homes that church is non-negotiable. Serving's non-negotiable. We've never woken up and said, I don't know if we're going to serve today, guys. What do y'all think? We don't let, come on. My house is not a democracy, everybody. I'm a socialist little dictator. Look at me. We go in church today. And we're going to be happy about it. We're not going to come in dragging with cragglies in our eyes. We're going to come in bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, full of joy. Because God's been so good to us. God's blessed us. I need the blessing of God on my home. I need it. I need it. Here's the last thing. I think you ought to show your whole family how seeking and serving God is full of joy. This is kind of my candy stick right now. I think you ought to be full of joy. It's not a drudgery to go to church. It's not a drudgery to get dressed to serve. There are families on this worship team today who who got their kids ready at 6 o'clock this morning in the dark when you were... They were putting their kids in the car in car seats, packed their breakfast, packed their lunch, packed a snack and iPads and been serving since 6 a.m. this morning. I'm not telling you that because they're special. I'm telling you because they decided in our family, it's a joy to serve God. It's a joy to serve. It's a joy to seek God together and worship God as a family. This is not what we have to do. This is what we get to do. We get to give God our tithe. We get to serve God. We get to go to church. We get to worship with all we've got. We get to do this. And it seems unattainable. I know, I know these three things seem hard, but it's not. Listen close. Here's the last thing I'll read to you and we'll pray. You can have the same attitude Joshua had. Joshua stands at the banks of the Jordan River. They're about to cross into the promised land, Henry, where God had promised. They'd been wandering 40 years. Joshua and Caleb were the only two men over the age of 20 still alive. Everybody else had died. Everybody else had died. Joshua said, man, if we're going to have that thing God called us to, if we're going to have the blessing of God on our families, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to choose for ourselves. Who's going, to get, who's going to be at the center? Who do we serve? And then I love his line. He said, for me, and he spoke for his whole, his whole family. He said, for me and this family, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. I want you to have a blessed family. I, I want your appetite to be for God. I want you to hunger. And if you will, I think God will fill you up. Bow your heads for prayer all over the house. Father, I thank you today for your presence that's so evident in the room. And thank you for your word. God, I hope it was uplifting and encouraging to somebody. But I recognize in a crowd like this, there's probably people who are struggling. As a matter of fact, nobody's looking around. Our team's in place, and I don't want anybody else looking around. Would you just respect this sacred moment for about 30 seconds? And If you're here today and your family's sort of in that struggle... I think we've let some other stuff kind of come in. And honestly, the hunger of our home is other stuff. It's, it's, it's pursuit. It's, it's, it's just whatever comes next. It's the whim that we're on. It's relaxation. We're just living for the weekend. Or If that's you, or whatever it is, blended families, co-parenting, newly married, wherever you are, if, you're just, if your family is struggling and you, you say, Pastor, I want to be included in this final prayer, would you be bold enough to just raise your hand and say, that's us. That's us. Hands up everywhere. Hands up all over the house. That's us. Now, I can pray this with you, but I can't pray it for you. So you need to pray something like this. Lord God, I, I come back to you with my whole heart. God, I recognize I've probably put some other stuff in the center of our home. 
I recognize the appetite of our home is for success or money or school or whatever it is. You, you fill in the blank. God, I've been chasing after this. Our schedule is too busy. Our lives are too crazy. We've been, we've been running after this and pursuing after that. And we've neglected the hunger that we need for God, for His presence. Come on, single adults. It matters how you wait. I'm preaching and reaching for a single adult today. You've been asking God, what do I do in the waiting season? You hunger and thirst for righteousness and you'll be filled. You go all in with God. God will go all in with your future. What do we do when we're praying about our careers? It seems to be falling apart. You go all in with God. God will take care of that. What do I do? She's already left. He already filed the paperwork. You go all in with God. God will make up the difference. God will do the supernatural. You just got to do your part to hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, I put you back in the center of my home. Come on, pray that way. Matter of fact, if my family was beside me, I may would slide my hand over. God, I just ask you to move in families today. God, forgive us for all the stuff we kind of filled our lives with. I'm coming back to you being at the center. I want a blessed family. It's been a struggle. God, every hand that was raised, it's been a struggle. I just pray. I pray this message not only encourages them, but I pray it changes something on the inside. They get in the car today. There's some conversations that we need to have. There's some schedule we need to change. There's some priorities we need to reevaluate. There's some values. We kind of let our family go in a different direction. God, I'm putting you right back in the center, right back where you belong. God, we're going to reorient. God, it's going to hurt for a little while, but I want my appetite to change. I want my appetite to be for the things of God and His presence more than the things of this world. God, I thank you for that. I thank you for the healing that I feel right now in the room. Every family who was honest enough to say, that's me, that's us. Pray for healing today. I pray for hope to be restored. God, I pray that as their heads lift, that so would their hearts. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen.